Lord, what have I done? I've been doing what I want and living on my own terms. I've disregarded your plan for my life and I feel lost. For years, I've wrestled with this decision. I've told myself it's far too late. I've gone too far. But today, I'm ready to come home. Morning, everyone. So good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. The church coming together to worship Jesus and to thank Him for His goodness. We welcome all the locations this morning, and uh, we trust that you already sense the presence of God wherever you are, and that today God's going to do great things in your midst. We pray for growth and blessing, especially in this day in which we live. We know there are many, many people who need to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also welcome people online, and we trust that you receive good stuff today from the Lord. Amen. Today I'm going to speak about a story in the book of Mark chapter 5. I'm not going to read the story. Uh, you can read it yourself sometime. Uh, all Scripture Every chapter, every verse, every line, every story has to do with God's great plan of redemption. Stories are not written in God's Word so that we have a story to tell the kids. It's not a story that we just can read and apply certain principles, but it all has to do with God's great plan of redemption. Everything that has been lost by sin is being recovered by the Lord Jesus Christ. He died and rose again so that what God's plan was in the beginning would continue in a wonderful way. So it's all to do with redemption. Yeah, in Mark we see a man who is possessed with evil spirits. And I believe that here is a man that has come to the very bottom of life, rock bottom. Can't get worse than this. But God tells us about this story because it is another revelation of His grace and His love. There are many people today who say, God doesn't care about me. God has overlooked me. God is not interested in me. God is not willing to help me. But when you look at this story, you see exactly the opposite. God loves each and every one of us. And to this man who people probably rejected and despised because he was possessed with many, many evil spirits. And the result of that is that he will be an evil man. Yet God reveals his love and his mercy to this man. This man was living 
in a graveyard. How low can you go? And Jesus, the Bible says, had just come through a fierce storm. Like the Bible says, it's fierce. And Jesus is sleeping on the boat, and the disciples are frightened. Now, these are hardened fishermen. So you can imagine how powerful that storm was that they were gripped with fear. And they wake Jesus up and say, don't you care about us? Jesus rebukes the wind, and he calms the sea. And they say, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Jesus continues to the other side of the lake. And when he arrives at the other side of the lake, immediately he's approached by this man living in a cemetery. The Bible does not tell us much about him, does not give us his name, his previous occupation, speaks nothing about his family and his financial status or his race, where he comes from, how did he land up in this place, and doesn't tell us. Because in reality, none of these things are important. What is important at that moment was this man's condition. And actually, it is a picture of humanity. The world is a graveyard. There's decay all around us. It's a place of decay. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned against God, the world became a place of decay. Jesus said very clearly that heaven and earth shall pass away. The only thing that will last forever is His Word. You see, God planned a garden. Adam and Eve were put in that perfect environment to live there forever and ever and ever in the presence of a loving, powerful God. But they chose out of their own free will to disobey Him. And because of that, He drove them from the garden. They became subject to sickness and death. Now the Bible says all of us have inherited Adam's sinful nature, and because of that we are spiritually dead, facing a physical death. So right at this moment there are multitudes of people that are spiritually dead. And so the world is a graveyard. The Bible says, wherefore by one man, sin entering into the world, and death by sin. So death is passed upon all men, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have inherited Adam's sinful nature. We are, we are sinners by birth, we are sinners by choice, and we are sinners by conduct. But God has created us for His glory. Every one of us We've been created so God may reveal His glory, His mercy, His compassion, His attributes, His character through His creatures. 
But the Bible says we all have fallen short of the glory of God. And because we've fallen short of the glory of God, we do not reveal His glory. The place where this man lived in this particular cemetery or graveyard, maybe it was well kept, maybe it was a, a beautiful place. But nonetheless, it was a place of decay. The world sometimes looks beautiful, all dressed up, many monuments to remind us of people's success and the achievements and great things that man has done. Nonetheless, in spite of all of that, it is a place of decay. Look at the, look at the condition of this man that the Bible talks about. It says he was wandering day and night among the tombs, screaming, cutting himself with stones, self-inflicted wounds. He was naked. Nobody could restrain him, and when they had the opportunity to tie him up with chains, the Bible says he would snap those chains because the demons who possessed him, those evil spirits were powerful that they were able to break those chains. I wonder what his family was thinking. I wonder about their embarrassment, their brokenness. To see someone that they love, a father, a mother, a brother, an uncle, a cousin, whoever, living in these conditions. And you can be sure that when someone finds himself in that condition, there are very, very few people who are concerned about them. He looked hopeless. Hopeless case. He could do nothing for himself. Man living apart from God can do nothing about his sin. We don't have the power to do anything about the sin that is in our lives. Many times the things that people do that we, we look at and we're embarrassed about their behavior is really a cry for help. All around us in the world, people are crying for help desperately because they, they, they find there's a void deep within their hearts and there's only one thing that can fill that void and it is God himself. Because man has been created for God. Man was not created to suffer by self-inflicted wounds. There are many people today who cut themselves and do very strange things. And sometimes we overlook it and we don't realize they're doing these things because they're crying for help. Man was created for God's glory not to live in a graveyard, but to live in a garden. In the beginning, there was a garden, and when they sinned, they were removed from that garden. But the end of the book of Revelation once again speaks about the beautiful garden that God has prepared for all of those that love Him and serve Him. And because man is not doing what he was created to do, he cries day and night. How many people go to bed at night 
weeping in their hearts because they know their lives are not right. They know this cannot be what life is all about. And they feel helpless and hopeless and un unloved and uncared for. Spirit, soul, and body cries out from freed for freedom. We all want to be free from the stronghold and the grip of Satan. We cry out to be free from the bondage of sin. Nothing could hold this man. Nothing could change him. Nothing could free him. Not counselors, not religion. Today, people try many things to fill the void, try things to make life better, to feel better, to bring change to their lives, and people try pills and drugs. Millions of people through the world today are in bondage of drugs. And governments who have so much money don't spend a cent really to help those people. If you go onto YouTube and you look on some of those things in the streets of Philadelphia, how people stand hanging in the streets, drugged, messed up, young people, some mother's daughter, some father's son, someone's brother, the world is in a terrible mess. And if there's ever been a time for the church to rise to its full potential, it is today. God is not looking for spectators. He's not looking for performances. He's not looking for personalities and great charisma. He's looking for men and women who are willing to go with the gospel and preach life to people. People try alcohol, sport, religion, good works. Try all these things to find something that will fill that emptiness, but nothing can deliver us from our condition. Just as this demon-possessed man, we feel helpless and hopeless. But man's hopelessness makes way for God's help. This man was right at the bottom. I bet you many people say there is no hope for him whatsoever. But into that graveyard comes the King of glory and the Prince of peace. He comes into a place he never created. God never created a graveyard because man was to live forever and ever, a place that he would ultimately destroy by his death and his resurrection. I want you to notice that the first move was made by Jesus. This man could never say, I found Jesus. Jesus found him. And the Bible doesn't tell us that Jesus went there for any other reason but to meet this man's need. The first move was made by Jesus. He passed through a fierce storm to get to this one man who was rock bottom, 
hopeless and helpless, dying, tormented. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus passed through another storm, the storm of God's wrath. When on the cross, he became the judgment of sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us, and the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus where he shouted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus has come through the storm of God's wrath that he might reach you and reach me, just like he reached this man. Did not come for the rich and the famous. Did not come for the self-righteous and the religious. The Bible says he Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. This man was tormented by demons. Jesus asked the demon, what is your name? And the demon responds, the demons respond and say, legion, because we are many. This man was so rock bottom, it wasn't just one demon that possessed him, but the Bible says there were many and all his actions were the actions of these demonic spirits that controlled him. Jesus commands the demon to come out. Let me just remind you, there are three things that Jesus did when he came. He preached the kingdom. He healed the sick and he cast out demons. That's what he did. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. There are many, many people being tormented today. There are many people that are demon-possessed. Jesus has come to set the captive free. He casts it out of this man he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. These demons recognize Jesus. They said, why have you come to torment us? Why have you come? Please do not throw us in the abyss, but let us enter into the pigs. This is, this is what the Bible says. This is This is biblical. Most of us don't even believe in demons. We don't believe in that even an animal can be demon-possessed. But here we see it. There is a herd of pigs nearby, and Jesus casts the demons out. They run into the pigs, and they possess the pigs, and the pigs run down the hill and drown. There are world religions today who don't know who Jesus is. They say he was a great teacher. He was a wonderful man. He was a prophet, or like some say, he was a God, just like we're gods. They don't know who he is. And even though the Bible has been preached and taught all around our world, there are multitudes of people who have no clue who Jesus is. But here, we find demon spirits who know exactly who he is. They drown. 
the herdsmen of the pigs, they are so shocked. They can't believe what they've seen. And they run into the city and they go and tell people, you need to come and see what's happened in the graveyard. And they come. They're inquisitive. What do they see? They see a man who had been tormented, screaming day and night and cutting himself. A man who had no rest and no peace. They see him sitting. Sitting. What does it speak of? It speaks of peace. The Bible says when Jesus died on the cross and entered up on his resurrection and went to heaven, he, he seated at the right-hand side of God the Father. Why did Jesus take a seat at the right hand? Because his work was finished. Why was this man seated? Because the old life was finished. For the first time now, he has peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what many of us are looking for, peace. Peace with God. And yet this man sitting now, he's found peace with God. But not only has he found peace with God, he now has the peace of God that pass of all understanding. And that's what Jesus has for each and every one of us. You can't go through life tormented. You can't go through life filled with fear. Many times he says, my peace I give unto you. You may be here this morning, you may be somebody that hasn't had peace for a long time. But the King of glory is here today. And he can give you peace. If a man or a woman is in Christ, they are new creatures. All the old things pass away. And everything becomes new. Not only was he sitting, but he was clothed. Remember, he'd been running around there day and night naked. What an embarrassment. What a condition to be in. But now, after he's met with Jesus, he's clothed. You and I stand naked before God because of our sin. But when we come face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ and we surrender our lives to Him, He takes away the garments that represent death and He gives us grace clothes. Clothes us in the garments of salvation and the robes of righteousness. That is imputed righteousness that when I'm born again and I surrender my life to Christ, He imputes His righteousness to me. So when God the Father looks at me, He doesn't see my weakness and my failure and my shortcoming, but what He sees is the righteousness of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What privilege. How privileged we are. We who were not a people now through Jesus Christ can become the people of God. We can come home to the family of God and be accepted in the beloved, each and every one of us, irrespective of your education, irrespective of your wealth and who you are. God calls you home to be part of that great family 
that he's preparing for himself. Clothed. The third thing, he was in his right mind. This man was crazy. Screaming day and night. You can imagine the pain, the torment out of his mind. The Bible doesn't tell us what he did before that. But now he's demon-possessed. The evil spirits are possessing him. The Bible says we must not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You see, that's what the Word of God does. God's Word washes our minds. Our minds are changed and transformed by God's Word. And when we come to Christ and we experience the new birth, we don't see things like we used to see them. Things change. That is the wonderful thing about having an encounter with Jesus Christ. Your life changes. Here is, here is a dramatic change from a man living in a graveyard. His mind has changed. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Thank you, Jesus. This man was so grateful. He wanted to be part of that group. And when Jesus got into the boat, he wanted to get in the boat as well and go with Jesus. Jesus said, no, go home and tell your friends the wonderful things that the Lord has done for you and how merciful He has been. Friend, His mercies are new every morning. Don't think He doesn't care about you. Don't think He's overlooking you. He's merciful. He's telling you to come home, not to judge you and to condemn you, but to change you. That you can walk with Him and talk with Him. And have the wonderful confidence that He has you in the palm of your hand, of His hand, and no man shall pluck you out. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. God is for you. Who can be against you? When you walk through the waters, you will not drown. When you go through the fire, you will not burn. His promises are yea and amen in Christ Jesus to every one of us. In closing, I want to tell you a story. Just a little while ago, two of my friends passed away. They've gone to heaven. One was Donovan Kutsi. Donovan Kutsi was a preacher in um, Edelborough when we were still in the other building. He was the leader of the Assemblies of God in South Africa, and he was a renowned preacher around the world. Tremendous man, tremendous leader, just a great man. Anyway, he passed just a short while ago. But another friend of mine also passed away. And uh, because of that, I want to just share this. About 40 years ago, uh, more or less, I got converted, or I went into the ministry. And so I became a pastor in, in my hometown where 
I grew up. I've been in the newspapers there for drunkenness, for car accidents, for all kinds of stuff. But in the same town that I was born, I became a pastor. And of course, these were all my drinking friends, uh, this, this particular guy I'm speaking about. I used to drink with them and fight with them and all that. And then uh, I got born again. My life changed. And so one day, his mother calls me, and she says to me, will you please go and see Johnny? Johnny is drinking himself to death. He's just about dead. He's in a terrible condition. And he's been telling us how you have changed and what's happened to you. And he has a lot of respect for you. Will you please go speak to him? And I said, well, where's Johnny? She said, he's in the alcoholic's home. And so I went to the alcoholic's home, and I, they allowed me in. And I went and I spoke to Johnny. But it, it didn't look if he was really listening to me. Uh, you know, all the alcohol he'd been drinking. And, and so I, I said, well, when you get out here, I prayed for him. I said, when you get out here, come uh, to our church. And I told him where the church was. Of course, you know, you invite many people and they don't turn up. But we have to have faith that they will turn up. And so a couple of weeks later, I arrived at church, at the church, and it was still early. I was the first one there. And here was the guy standing at, on the porch waiting for the doors to open. And I was so surprised that he did turn up, that he did uh, receive my uh, invitation. That morning I preached, and I must be honest, I focused on him. And when I made an appeal, he came out, and he gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I laid hands on him, and I pray that in the name of Jesus, that power that is evil, that has gripped his life, be destroyed immediately. That's what happened to me. I came out in church. They prayed for me immediately. I was delivered. I walked out free. And that's why I believe God still does it today. And so when I prayed for Johnny, in the name of Jesus, that he would be free, surrendered his life, and everybody was happy. But just a short while after that, not so long, Johnny brought 17 of his family members to the Lord Jesus Christ. 17. My wife says, I like to tell old stories, but where are you going to get another story like that? Johnny, Portuguese man, brought 17 of his family and they gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And just when he died a few months ago, after all those years, he was still faithfully serving the Lord. You've got to come home. And when you come home, God does great things for you. And then he sends you on a commission. It's called the Great Commission. Go home and tell people the good things that the Lord has done for you. Never keep it as a secret, but share it wherever you go because you never know. Someone like this man may hear that and it may transform and change their lives forever. Amen. God bless.